following program do not necessarily reflect those of WWDB, its staff, or management. Inspirational women are increasingly popular in the news and media, but many go unheard and their stories are never told. Women to Watch with Susan Rocco captures the stories of many women who truly make a difference. Women to Watch is the vehicle for developing new leaders, encouraging younger generations, and in building self-esteem for future entrepreneurs. Good afternoon, everyone, and welcome back to another week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860. My name is Sue Rocco, and uh, I, I thank you for being here on this beautiful Labor Day. It's absolutely gorgeous. Um, I just actually drove up myself from the beach. That was a little stressful, but we're here safe and sound. And um, I have a, a wonderful guest this afternoon, and, and she, too, has traveled um, a little bit of a distance, so I'm very grateful to her uh, for driving down from New York. Her name is Vicki Bargut, and Vicki is the CEO of Viver Health, uh, Viver, V-I-V-E-R. Welcome to the show, Vicki. Um, listen, I, I want to talk a little bit about your um, background before we talk about how and why you launched this company. Um, it's really a great story. It's a personal story, and um, I think it's going to be really interesting to the listeners today. Uh, I'm also hoping that um, Dr. Dupree will be joining us in a few minutes. She's going to be calling in um, somewhere outside of the studio. So I understand you grew up in Baltimore, Maryland. And um, you're, you were an only child. Um, your parents traveled from Jordan in the 1960s. And that's just a little snippet about you and, and where you came from. So talk for a few minutes about your, your growing up years. Yeah. So uh, as you mentioned, I uh, grew up in Baltimore, which I adore. Um, sadly, I do not live there anymore. <laughs> um, to uh, two amazing parents um, that really focused on me as I was an only child. Um, as you mentioned, there were uh, immigrants from the Middle East. Um, they came here uh, just to have a better life as they were uh, Christians and needed, um, you know, there was, as you know, with the state of affairs at the moment, they were just trying to find a, a better way of living. Yeah. So my dad was in the Merchant Marines um, and my mom worked, but mostly they, my mom stayed home and, and took care of me. And uh, my grandmother actually lived with us and Really, uh, I grew up living, you know, with a really nice, close-knit family. Yeah, and, and your, your grandmom was a big influence on you, right? She was a big influence. Um, she just died about two years ago. She lived in her 90s, um, and she was one of the first um, women nurses um, in, in, in the Middle East. Um, wow. So she actually had a huge practice and um, really did a lot of things that most women um, there do not do. Um, so I learned many of, uh, you know, you know, being, uh, you know, she was very much a role model in how to uh, be a strong uh, woman. And not only that, but also she was a big influencer on East and Western medicine and how can how that can really heal you. Yeah. So. Wow. So she was really ahead of her time. I mean, not only for going and getting an yeah. education yeah. Um, as a woman, but having that interest in, in Western and Eastern medicine. Yep. She was uh, the oldest of nine, um, so she very much took care of her family. 
um, you know, had lots of land, had one of the first probably Volkswagens in the 50s and 60s, <laughs> as she tells me. But, you know, I don't know how well-liked she is. As she was a very opinionated and strong-forced oh, strong, yeah. strong woman. Wow. But, um, yeah, so I very much had, you know, I always looked up to her growing up and very much, um, you know, that's just really nice to have a grandparent love of you. Yeah. <laughs> is this your mom's mom or your dad's mom? My mom's mom. Your mom's mom. Yeah. Um, so, you know, that's always interesting to me. The oldest of many children always tends to be a leader from the get-go, you know, out of necessity. They have to. Yeah. Um, but then the influence that they, you know, pass on to their grandchildren um, seems to be a common theme um, as far as what I see in, in the women that come on this show. It's always interesting. Um, I want to mention that you received the Harry S. Truman Scholarship to Loyola. Um, so obviously you were, you know, you were academically um, bright at a young age as well. And you studied biomedical, um, later switching to policy and economics at UNC. Talk about those years and, and, you know, what your aspirations began as and how you moved from one field into a completely other field. Right. So my undergraduate was actually molecular cellular biology, and I uh, did a minor in Spanish and theology, <laughs> which I find very interesting. But I um, definitely wanted to have an influence. I mean, my aspirations in college was to go to medical school mm-hmm. um, and actually went and traveled, worked with um, Amigos de las Americas and lived in Mexico and Guatemala for a while um, doing some AIDS prevention and education on how to really prevent the spread of AIDS as well as um, you know, good hygiene. So I was very much interested in that in early age. I did really well academically, as you mentioned, um, was actually the finalist for the Harry S. Truman Scholarship. And after really living in um, Mexico for a while, I realized that the one-on-one interaction is fantastic, really enjoyed it, really wanted to make a difference. But for me to really influence people, I had to – I really wanted to do more of a, a, a bigger scale. Um, and with that, that's why I ended up going to um, UNC School of Public Health to really um, study policy and administration and economics so I could actually go ahead and implement change on a higher level. So that was my goal. Wow. Yeah. yeah. I mean, you had big, big dreams I as a young girl. Big dreams. Yeah, <laughs> I love that. Listen, we uh, Beth is joining us. Uh, she's Hi on guys. the phone. Hello. Hello. How are you? I'm tr- Trying to get out of Boston. They told me I was on an earlier flight, and then I got here and said that I'm standby. So, hi. Hi. Vicky's here. Hello. And you know each other. I know. had a fabulous weekend with my BFFs from childhood, people I've been friends with since some of them since even before kindergarten. And uh, we were were just talking this weekend about how phenomenal um, it is, these friendships that we have. I mean, Vicky obviously is one of my friends from this part of my life, but... uh, when you begin to add friends from every different aspect of your um, of your upbringing and your journey, it's just amazing because they all end up intertwined and it's just fabulous. So it's all good. And Vicky, welcome to the show. Sorry I couldn't be there in person. I, my intent was to be there, and uh, this weekend kind of came up. And uh, you don't pass up the opportunity to uh, spend three glorious days with people you've known for 50 years because. Uh, now I'm taking call Christmas or New Year's, but it's okay. It was a good trade-off. <laughs> Why did, can you tell the story of how the two of you connected? Uh, absolutely. I um, I got a frantic phone call from a friend who's an anesthesiologist that I work with, and he said, I, I don't know what to do. You know, my wife's best friend was just diagnosed with breast cancer. You know, she just had a baby, blah, blah, blah. I need help. What can we do? I can't fix this. 
And so that's how we got connected. I um, I did not become Vicky's doctor. I kind of just became her educated, uh, I would call it advocate. What do you think, Vic? Educated advocate for um, yourself. Oh, definitely. And um, just really, you know, was guiding her. She was with great doctors. She was getting great medical care. And what I told her was, you know, the medical care is going to be, you know, pretty much in the U.S. You're going to get awesome medical care regardless of where you go. Um, but what we really needed to look at was how do we get her the very best overall, you know, for the future, preventing cancer from coming back, you know, becoming centered emotionally and spiritually, because you can get all the chemo, all the surgery, and all the radiation in the world. But if you don't begin to address those subtle energy fields that we have around our bodies about how we live every day and address the kind of food that we put into our bodies and how we exercise, you're leaving opportunities uh, to decrease your risk of cancer coming back on the table. You're not utilizing them all. So, um, Vicki actually came to a uh, retreat that the Healing Consciousness Foundation put on in 2010. And, um, you know, at that retreat, she came with her cute little wig. She barely had a couple sprigs of hair that had come back in. She had just had her surgery. And um, I think, Vicki, at the time, you were fairly vulnerable coming into that weekend, if I'm corrected in my speaking. Um, but she left that weekend incredibly empowered and um and then I decided that I was going to utilize, and you know how brilliant she is. You just went through her pedigree and resume. Mm -hmm. And I told her that if, if I could do one thing, it was going to be to try to educate people about how to cook and how to eat. And did she want to help us do a Healthy Cooking for Life cookbook? And it was at that moment when I really, it wasn't that moment, it was probably a year later when I said, oh, my God. She showed up with like 500 um, totally peer-reviewed articles on nutrition and diet and, you know, just blowing out of the water anything that I had ever seen from the American Diabetic Association or the Heart Association or any association. It was like, this is like the Vicky Association. And the, <laughs> the, level of, the level of intensity in which she went into this was just amazing. And, and that's why I said, Vic, I need the cliff notes. Now, take this, all this information, because we have to make it digestible. We have to make it so the people, you know, somebody in ninth grade, somebody with a ninth grade education can pick it up and learn from it. And that is how she began this this journey and, and just took all of this. And, you know, I mean, I, she, it's the V. It's the, it's the Vicky Viver crusade, I call it, because she is single-handedly the, like the driver of this. She's like a tour de force, this driver of a train of wellness, which, you know, I'm hoping that every woman and every family gets on, not just because they have cancer, but hopefully to prevent cancer as well. Is that how a fair assessment? Ah. Very nice words, Beth. That's that's. Thank you so much. <laughs> and, and now I'm I'm blessed to not only call her, you know, a friend. We're working together. We are co-conspirators in health and wellness, and it's a beautiful thing. She's introduced me to some other amazing individuals who she has collected along the way. And her, you know, as her health health economist, I mean, she's just put together a team of really awesome people who really want to make a difference in the world. You know, and that's you know to make our planet a better place is a great thing. You know? Yeah. You know what? We, we, we jumped ahead a little bit in her story. And so I want to backtrack for a moment. Um, you just said, you know, you, you referred to Vicki as a health economist. And, um, you know, people who are listening, I want them to understand that she has this uh, expertise in two different areas and where she came from before she, you know, dived into the research and studying of health and wellness. She worked in the pharmacy industry. Um, Vicki, I wonder if you can talk about, you mentioned a move to Boston and a think tank. Right, right. Um, talk about those years and what, what you were doing. Um, 
So right after grad school, um, I was asked to work. Um, I was invited to work um, for a big health think tank, think tank um, which was really quite exciting. It was really quite an honor because I was very young at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, I graduated, uh, you know, I was done graduate school maybe by 23 or tw- I think about 22 or 23, which is really quick and fast. Mm-hmm. So it was really such an honor. But when I was there, I was only there maybe seven months, and I was called by uh, Glaxo Welcome at the time down in North Carolina. They needed help on this new drug they're about to launch for irritable bowel syndrome. And they're like, oh, you know how to do models. You have a, you know, you understand the economics. We need you. Can you please come down? So I turned around, drove down to North Carolina, and started my career in the pharmaceutical industry, actually. Um, and we're there. It's been an exciting world um, from really creating uh, ICD-9 codes that people get for reimbursement um, you know, from there, I uh, was called up by Novartis Pharmaceuticals and, and moved up there probably in 2001, um, right before 9-11, actually, and um, was asked to uh, lead a group on um, in the GI world. Yeah. Um, and it's been exciting since. Um, so what I do essentially as a health economist is really go ahead and put instruments in clinical trials to really assess how people will do with the drug. So what's their quality of life? What's their productivity? Um, what's the real evidence-based medicine? So once a drug is on the market, does it actually work? How compliant is a person? How does it make them feel? Um, which is a really interesting aspect. But only not only that, but I was also um, responsible for pricing drugs. Um, so I moved up very quickly at Novartis and was asked to actually run a GI franchise in Switzerland, so I moved to Switzerland for a while, um, and I came back actually because I met my husband, and from there I uh, ended up uh, leading a whole oncology division um, in the U.S. organization. So I was responsible for all the U.S. oncology products or all the oncology products at the time, as well as um, yeah. So that's and a, that's how a old brief. were how old were you when you moved to Switzerland? Oh, I was probably one of the youngest people um, leading a team. I was about 30 or 31. Okay. And how uh, many years were you there? I was supposed to be there for two years. Mm-hmm. I ended up being there probably about seven months. Oh, yeah. seven months. Okay. Yeah. I met my husband. Um, well, that's a big part of your story. You met big, your husband. I met my husband, and uh, I, I walked in. I went. Uh, it was an interesting day where I had to resign. I uh, went to my boss and was like, you know, Thank you so much for moving me here, um, but I definitely uh, I want to go back home. And he's like, "Why?" I'm like, you know, I said well, I met a boy, and he's like, "What do you mean you <laughs> met, met a boy?" boy. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, "You're leading a group in Europe. Not many people have this position. What are you thinking?" And I'm like, "Well, you never know. You know, these opportunities don't come all the time." Yeah. And uh, I was talking to many good friends, and you know, they waited until their 40s and 50s to to get married and did the whole career, and they were like, you know. Just go for it. Your yeah. career will always be there. Yeah. And I followed my heart. Yeah. So <laughs> you were taking a big risk to come back and then start all over because yeah. even though you, you met the boy, you were going to get married, um, you still had to continue your career. So right. what did you do when you came back to the States? It was very tricky. I mean, it was a lot of negotiation with my team in the U.S. Um, still with Novartis? Still with Novartis. Mm-hmm. Um, I was there almost nine years, and they really liked me. I was a very hard worker, won many presidential awards, so they didn't necessarily want to lose me. So they're like, you know, why don't we get you, you know, we'll, we'll, we'll give you some new experience. Why don't you work in oncology, see how you do there, and then we'll figure out what to, what to do with you after. Mm-hmm. 
Um, so they took a risk and they kept me and they they let me really pursue my personal interests. Yeah, um, which is really neat for um, a corporate America because that's not something that you normally hear, especially with the reason that I had. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, it talks a lot about the culture. I would say yeah. of Novartis that they would do that, you know, on such a personal level. Yep. Um, so let's talk about you know you you got pregnant. And um, finding out while you were pregnant that you had cancer um, is really the precipitous of Viver Health. Right. Talk about that that day. So um, as I mentioned, I was running a big oncology division, so I had a lot of experience in cancer, um, specifically uh, breast cancer, because I launched one of the um, products um, called Fumara at the time. And, um, you know, just something did not feel right. So a week before... um, I actually got the diagnosis. I felt a lump in my breast. And I called the do- I called my OBGYN. She wasn't there. She was on vacation. They kept on telling me, you know, I, I told them outright, I think I have cancer on the phone. Can someone please see me? And uh, they were like, you know, you're about to have a baby. You know, you've lost your mind. <laughs> it's probably just mastitis. Um, just don't worry about it. So my regular OBJYN was coming in on a Wednesday, and I went and met up with her. You know, I just made an appointment. I'm like, you need to feel me. No one's believing me. And she felt me and gave me that look. Mm. And she's like, I think you're right. And I said, I know I'm right. I've been doing this for how many years? So she's an amazing woman, um, Dr. Daly. She sort of closed her practice. And the day before my daughter was born, she, we got uh, a mammogram, we got a biopsy, we did everything you needed to do because once you have a baby, the estrogen's all in your body and we had to figure out right there and then, you know, what stage I was on or, or what it is. And this was your first pregnancy? This is my yes. second pregnancy. Oh, this was your second, yeah. I'm sorry. So, that's okay, so I had yeah. a two-year-old actually at Okay, home. you had a two-year-old at home, okay. So the next day I gave birth naturally, I guess probably to the stress and... Mm. Um, you know, two or three weeks later, we started uh, chemo. And because of the timing of, of when we uh, detected the cancer, we weren't sure on the staging because there's so much estrogen in your body. So we actually had to treat it at like a stage three. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think it was that. Um, they think it was probably more a stage one because they never could find it in the lymph nodes. Good. But it was more than one tumor. It was multiple tumors mm-hmm. um, and a very aggressive type of cancer. So... And that's where the journey began. And that's where it began. So yeah. did you have help, I guess, is, is my next question, you know, um, to go home with a newborn, have a two-year-old, and and facing battling, you know, right. cancer. What well, did you do then? You know, it's probably the best timing. I know most people cannot believe I just said that. But, you know, when you have a baby, you have your husband at home. You have your mom come and help you. So we had that support system already built in. We yeah. just had a, you know, a little wrench that... I had to start chemo and do other activities. Um, so, no, we had um, family rotate living with us for about a year mm-hmm. um, just because, you know, with chemo, you can't necessarily, um, you're not feeling so well, and you can't, you, it's risky to pick up the baby, and there's it, a lot of things I wasn't able to do. Yeah, the weakness, um, you're just weak. Just tired, you're fatigued. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I never really got nauseous because I ate very well and exercised as that was a, a priority for me. But, um, no, I mean, there are days, especially after the surgery, you can't, you know, you're not allowed to lift more than X amount of pounds. And, mm. you know, the baby is 10, at least 10 pounds, and it's not something that you, you, you're allowed to really carry. So, yeah, it was, but, you know, I wasn't, I was very um, lucky. I didn't have, I did not go back to work um, for almost a year and a half, almost two years. 
So I really focused that time um, on me, mm-hmm. um, which, you know, I don't think I would have done if I didn't get sick. Well, how, how did you do emotionally with all of it? You know, that's a big, you know, you, you're taking care of the of the illness and, and the cancer and doing all the proper things, but how were you emotionally? Um, just from my personality, I mean, I just tackled it as another problem, you know, just something like it was a work problem and how do I handle this work problem? Mm. And I think that's the only way that I could really deal with it. Um, I think if I became very emotional at the time, I'm not sure I would have been you know, I would have definitely been depressed, you know, like I was within 24 hours, you know, you're facing life and death Mm -hmm. and, you know, you have to make that decision. Yeah. Um, and my decision was to live because I had a two year old and a newborn. So I, my priority at the time was I needed to do everything imaginable to be there for my children. Yeah. Um, so with that, you know, I took it as a task. Okay. You know, what do I need to do? Yeah. And because of my background, I knew what the statistics were in the clinical trial. Um, I knew what my chances of survival in five years. And to me, those were good, but not good enough. Um, And that's when I really went on this crusade of, okay, what more do I need to do? Mm -hmm. And and as Beth mentioned, you know, really teamed up with Beth, um, really started focusing on, you know, what's the evidence-based medicine out there on what we need to eat? How do I counteract every side effect that I'm about to, you know, embark on with a, a type of exercise or a type of food? And it seemed to have worked. I mean, at, at the time of surgery, um, the aggressive tumor, they were not able to find. And I was lively. Like, I was able to play with my children and read to them and, and do activities that, you know, you know, most people wouldn't, especially yeah. in that type of situation. Yeah. So, so you really believe, you're convinced that the additional um, steps you took to the chemotherapy are what not only made you healthy, but what kind of sustain you today. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so let's let's talk about Viver, you know, the company and what you're doing and what you offer. There's, um, as we talked about before the show, there's a lot going on in the field of, of health and wellness. And one of the things that's tough for people who, who don't have that background is the constant um, information, the barrage of information, and it seems to be often contradictory. Even from, you know, doctors and, and scientists, one day something's good for us and the next day it's not. Tell me what, as far as Viber, when you made the decision, I'm going to do more than just follow these steps for myself. I'm going to start a company that teaches other people. What was the first thing you thought would be a priority in doing that? Well, as Beth mentioned, you know, there's a lot of information out there, and the focus was really how do we take how do we teach people a very simple and easy approach to health and really make sure that it's evidence-based? So when I was going through chemo, you know, and I was asking my doctors, what is it that I need to do? Tell me, you know, how am I supposed to eat? No one really had an answer. Right. And I went to some of the top doctors in the country and for and, and some of the top institutions. And for them not really able to tell me what to do was, was mind-blowing. Um, to, to say the least. And even speaking with the nurses, you know, okay, I'm having chemo today. Tell me what I need to do. Tell me, you know, what's going to upset my stomach, what's not going to upset my stomach. And they couldn't even answer me, which to me I thought was very disturbing. Mm-hmm. So that's when, you know, I set down this path with as with Beth and with the team. Okay, you know, how do we really um, take all the information out there and make sure that it's, you know, really evidence-based and really educate people on simple steps on what to do 
to either reduce their risk of cancer or take care of themselves with cancer. And, you know, just simple facts. So when a person's on chemotherapy, there's certain things, certain um, juices or whatnot that they shouldn't be on, which, mm-hmm. which patients do not know or, or do not know, right. which can counteract some of the chemo that they're on. Wow. Um, so which, who would maybe and maybe you can answer this for me because it's I have a couple of nieces and and they're mm-hmm. interested in you know becoming nutritionists and or dietitians and we were talking over the weekend at the beach about what is the difference between a dietitian and a nutritionist and can they go into different fields as far as jobs is is there um, a, a field or I guess can somebody major if they wanted to be the educator in diets. And, and what should and shouldn't be done in the area of oncology and cancer, can they do that? And, and what title would they hold? Right. Does that make sense? Yeah, there's different tracks. Um, there's a registered dietitian who gets certified and gets boards and whatnot, um, to, and, and they're specific for oncology. Um, and, again, that's many years of, of schooling. A nutritionist, I think, is a loose word. Um, you know, people from different degrees can actually end up being a nutritionist with just a master's or whatnot. Okay. Um, and mostly dietitians are um, hired by a hospital. Mm-hmm. Um, and nutritionists can have, like, their own private practice okay. and whatnot. Yeah. Beth, would you comment on that? You know what? She actually had to leave oh. us. She did. She had to jump off. She she sent me a text. She hopped on a plane. Okay. She's always traveling. Um, but yeah, I wish we could have asked her that, and yeah. maybe we can do that after the show. But it again, it's a field that's really kind of opening wide, and there seems to be more interest in it, but not a lot of, you know, um, specifics right. on on what you study and where you go with that degree. Mm-hmm. Um, let's talk. Well, first of all, how did you get the name Viver? Viver. Yeah. You know, I didn't realize it at the time. I just wanted, um, well, Viver in Portuguese means uh, like life and rebirth, mm-hmm. which I thought was really interesting, especially with um, the mission and the story um, that I wanted to really get out there. Yeah. But Beth pointed out to me later on, you know, Viver is short for survivor and thriver and Viver. So you're a survivor, then you move into a thriver, and then you become a Viver, which oh, I really love that. seems really a, a neat thing. Yeah. But uh, maybe it was divine intervention. But it was really, uh, you know, a long search to really make you feel good. Yeah. You know, like a whole rebirth. Right. And, and that's where got the name. Yeah. Um, I want to just interject quickly in case that uh, you're listening and you want to call into the show and you have any questions for Vicki, you can call into 888-329-3306. That's 888-329-3306. Um, we're joined today by Vicki Bargut, CEO of Viver Health. And your website is viver.com, correct? Or is it viverhealth.com? Um, so after you came up with a name and you knew kind of what, what it was that you wanted Viver Health to be all about, did you reach out to various different, um, I don't want to say vendors, different people to contribute to what Viver was going to be? Or did you take it all on yourself? I took it on myself. You did. <laughs> <laughs> I had a, a partner early on and, you know, um, just based on being an economist and a scientist, you know, very much uh, wanted to take control and make sure we have the evidence-based medicine, right. you know. So did a lot of the research, but worked with um, a team of dietitians and nutritionists, worked with Beth, worked with a, a series of other doctors um, in the country to really get their feedback. Mm-hmm. So it was just like a, a research paper or, you know, 
I, I have a lot of publications that I've written in the field, so it was very much in that very rigid manner. But because I was in the pharmaceutical industry, you know, was also working with, you know, uh, messaging and how to make it simple. Um, and I also had the luxury, my husband is a, was an art director for a big magazine, so very much helped me to ensure that we have nice graphics and it's very appealing to people and just um, welcoming, which is really the goal. I didn't want this to be, um, you know, just science and just something that would uh, deter people. I wanted it to be really inviting and, and ensuring that people will take it um, to empower themselves and really take charge of their health. Yeah, and you know that it's such a um, important part of it, keeping it easy. Because again, mm -hmm. when when we're bombarded with different um, messages, I think people feel overwhelmed mm -hmm. and they just kind of give up and think I'm just going to do continue to do what I always do. Um, out of all the things that you teach and you educate people. Is there one that you feel is more critical than another? In other words, if somebody wasn't going to jump in full board to, you know, the diet and, and the package and everything that you've put together, what, what would you say is the number one important thing to either add or, or delete from there right. day to day? So um, two things, actually. Um, okay. One is probably uh, just make sure that you're hydrated, drinking lots of water. Okay, that's consistent. We yeah. hear that a lot, so I'm going to assume that that's the right thing. Yeah. And yeah. people don't realize how important water is, and it's really interesting. In the Viver Guide, um, we actually have a urine uh, color chart, so you actually see how hydrated you are based on the color of your pee. Oh, which is okay. really interesting. Um, and also we have a, a poops chart, a Bristol stool chart in the guide, which actually um, plays a role with hydration as well as the, the amount of fruits and vegetables that you eat. Okay, so interesting. Not, yeah. You know, as much as we don't want to talk yeah, about sorry. those two topics, <laughs> um, we can learn something from it. Right? Yeah. And, and that's what was really interesting about Viver. You know, I didn't want to tell people, okay, this is what you need to do or, or that. That's not the goal. This is not a diet or anything like that. It's a way of life. But your body actually tells you how well you're doing. Yeah. You right. just have to really look at Pay yourself. Attention. Pay attention. Yeah. Um, so I think I think that's probably one of the, the biggest aspects. The other aspect and you know it's been very trendy in the news right now is sugar. And for me that's that's a very important topic considering, you know, um, sugar really f can feed um, cancer. So for me, that's something that I definitely had to eliminate and be careful with. I want to. I really want to talk about that because the, you know, there's the sugars in everything, and mm -hmm. I want to get a little more information. We're going to take a quick break, and we will be right back with Vicki Bargut, CEO of Viver Health. There are 365 days to schedule a mammogram. Today is as good as any. Holy Redeemer Breast Care makes it easy. We offer the latest technology like 3D mammography and automated breast ultrasound that help find cancers in dense breast tissue. Plus, our same-day readings mean same-day peace of mind. Make today the day you schedule a mammogram. It's easy to request an appointment online at holyredeemer.com slash mammogram. Welcome back, everyone, to this week of Women to Watch here on WWDB Talk 860 and womentowatch.net. Uh, my name is Sue Rocco, and I have a, a wonderful guest with me in the studio today. Her name is Vicki Bargut, and Vicki is the CEO of Viver Health. Um, she's a woman who, um, you know, spent a lot of time in the uh, pharmaceutical industry. She was actually a health economist, and then because of a personal experience, um, 
of her own, um, having breast cancer and, and raising two children, she decided that it was important to um, start her own company to educate people about what they can do to not only try to prevent cancer, but to stay healthy um, through the treatment. We were talking about sugar before the break. And, you know, again, it's, um, you know, there's information out there about sugar. I think it's always consistently bad. It's not good for you. You, you have to do it in moderation. Um, the question is how many things contain sugar and how many things we don't even know have sugar. So every time we go shopping and, you know, we're trying to read labels now because we're smarter about it, um, are there tips you can give us about sugar and what to do and what not to do? Right. I mean, one of the key things, especially when we tell people to be careful with sugar, um, I have a lot of people that say, oh, no, does that mean I don't need to eat um, you know, fruit because fruit has exactly. so much sugar? Yes. And one of the key things people need to really realize is that you don't have to be worry about consuming sugars that are natural in fruits and vegetables. You okay. should be eating as many fruits and vegetables as possible. Yeah. Um, one of the key things um, that you worry with sugar is it actually causes a, a, a spike on your level, and especially with diabetics, they're, they're very well aware of this. So if you are having a sugary item, you know, the best way to really cut that spike is by taking a protein like a, like almonds or some kind of nut or... Oh, that's yeah. A good, yeah, that's good Which to know. Which is really neat to know. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, a lot of, um, you know, carbs actually go ahead um, and... and like a lot of people say, you know, avoid the white pastas or whatnot, do more whole wheat. And the reason for that is, again, to curb that sugar. So um, that's one of the, the recommended things, mm-hmm. going away from doing more wheat or brown rice, depending if someone is uh, has celiac or whatnot. Okay. So. Um, let, let's talk, If somebody were to go to your site, let's talk about what really what Viver Health is. Um you know, are there, is there, is it a program? Which, if you were describing it to somebody, would you say it's a program that they're going to follow or is it more education? Right. I think it's a, it's a combination of both. Um, we're at very exciting times right now. If you go to the website, you can go ahead and purchase the Viver Guide. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have two guides out there and we have a couple more coming, um, which again are tailored towards the, to, you know, your situation. One is uh, reduce your risk of cancer, which really is five simple steps of how to really prevent or um, what to do when you have a cancer diagnosis in regards to eating properly. Um, the second one is your guide to healthy eating. But uh, this fall, we'll be actually launching an app. Um, oh, great. I know. Very, We're very excited. Um, we've teamed up with some celebrity chefs around the country uh-huh. um, that have actually done specific um, Viva recipes. Um, Terrific. And some of these folks have been on the Food Network, so uh-huh. it's really quite exciting. Can you mention any names? Um, <laughs> well, one name I'll mention, and, and he's a dear friend, um, is Hans Rufert. He's actually a gastric cancer survivor, and he was on the Food Network for a while. He's a celebrity chef. He, uh, he's at the Woodbridge Inn down in Georgia, and he's just fantastic. We just did a photo shoot with him uh, about two weeks ago. Okay. He's amazing, amazing cook. Um, so with the app, we have these um, really wonderful recipes. We'll be having an electronic version of the guide. We have wonderful highlights written um, by, by an, an, another really dear friend, um, an amazing uh, wellness expert, Jody Hutchinson, with Beth Dupre. Yeah. Oh, good. Um, and then really a, a meal plan, really educating people, you know, how to eat properly, what how, 
throughout the day. Yeah. So that's one thing that's coming out. The other, we have another app as well coming out. Um, it's a 12-week program. Mm-hmm. So again, you know, making change is difficult. And we really want to make sure that it's simple, it's easy, and it's sustainable change. Because everyone is on some diet here or there. I mean, right. think of everything, you know, in January when a person, you know, that's the renewal time, the latest diet, right? Mm-hmm. Right. And that's not the goal. The goal is, like, let's try to teach you how to make these simple steps so it's not, a you know, a two-week fad. It actually will sustain you through life. And it's not one more thing to do. It's not one more thing to do. Yeah, that's the biggest. And it can biggest... be really easy. Yeah. And especially with my background as a health economist, I always laugh. Compliance is really important. Right. Um, you know, I'm on uh, tamoxifen right now just because of the breast cancer, and it's been five years. And I, I can proudly say that I'm almost 100% compliant. I've never missed a pill. Mm. And why? It's because I've done very simple steps. Mm-hmm. But the average person after five years on, you know, s- certain drugs is maybe, you know, a quarter, uh, 25%. So, again, really taking um, that business sense and personal experience and really instilling it in an app, in a behavioral um you know, it, it, behavioral um, change to really uh, influence really good behavior. So, tell me what I think the app's a great idea simply because you know we're, not, we're all with yeah. the phone, and I think we're going to be able to do more and more mm-hmm. and more from the handheld phone mm-hmm. as opposed to our computers. What does the app do? Is it a, is it a reminder? Is it just a resource? What kinds of things will it do? Um, it's sort of gamification, just like the Fitbit. So when you, you know, do your 3,000 steps or 10,000 steps, you get like an award or Mm -hmm. it tells you, you know, how many miles you did. So the same thing with the app. It's really uh, quite neat. So, for example, with the water challenge, um, there'll be little beeps on your phone or emails like um, inspiring you throughout the day. You know, while your coffee is brewing, why don't you have a glass (laughs) of water? It's Um, motivational. Motivational. Got it. And it teaches you not every, I mean, everybody is different. Um, so, you know, maybe I need to drink 10 glasses of water, but maybe you only need to drink seven glasses of water. And it again, takes your body weight and it divides it by, um, in half and looks at the number of ounces. That's just one thing. Well, that's great. I think customization is really Mm -hmm. important. There is not one size fits all, especially for health and wellness. Something can work for one person and they're going to tell someone else it will for them as well. Right. And it might not. Right. So that's really great. It is really exciting. And, And like I said, it's really walking people through, you know, very 12 simple steps, you know, like drinking more water. Um, what type of vegetables do I need and why? Especially yeah. with cancer, you know, having iceberg lettuce is not going to do you any good. But if you had like spinach or kale, um, you know, it, it really, it, it's, a, it's, a, it's a better green for you. And we tell you why. Right. But we also tell you, okay, this is intimidating. How do we make it taste really yummy? Right. And that's why we brought in these celebrity chefs to take something like kale that's intimidating and doesn't look so good to teach you how to make it taste good. So, you know, not only you feel good when eating it, but it does your body good too, you yeah. know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I want to talk about the business end of this. You know, yeah. you're an entrepreneur, and um, that's, you know, it's a big topic in here on the show. There's more and more women starting their own businesses. So I want to, you know, give you an opportunity to give some of your own advice. Um, number one, you know, when you first launch, and you have to be focused on your branding and your market and your customers. It's a lot to take on. Did you have someone guiding you? Did you have an advisor? Did you have an, a mentor? Or because of your own experience, did you really take it on by yourself? 
I came from the business world, so I, I was able to take it on by my own. But you can't do anything by yourself, right? right. It takes a village. Yeah. So had a lot of mentors and, you know, met with people weekly, had lunches at least, you know, every day for the beginning of it, had lunches with people. Okay, this is what I'm thinking. What is your opinion on this? And just really talking to people and gathering a sense of, you know, how to go about this. But, mm-hmm. you know, I got I was very lucky and, and had a really good team, not only from the science world, but also from the art world. And I think that combination. Oh, right. From your husband's contacts. Yeah. Yeah. So um, really good contacts in photography and um, wonderful um, illustration uh, as well as um, graphic design. Um, working with a wonderful gentleman by the name of uh, Charlie Ross out in Minnesota, and he's just amazing. And he really helped taking my, not only me, but the whole team's science words and things that are very intimidating and difficult and making it very inviting and very simple and making it pretty. So uh, that to me was new because I'm more a very uh, science-driven person. Um, That's my background. Um, and, and really delving into this new world has been really exciting and, and fun. Yeah. Yeah. Because, you know, there's a lot of moving parts. There's, oh, you yeah. know, the marketing and the branding, yeah. and then there's the business model. So mm-hmm. for you, the business model, I think your background was probably very helpful. Yeah. Um, we should probably say, what are the five simple steps, right? Maybe we should actually, you know, say what they are. Um, sure. Sure. Yeah, and the five simple steps, again, just making it very simple. Um, So the first step is, you know, what are the simple daily changes that will help you uh, live a healthy life? So with the first step, we really talk about, you know, making informed decisions on what to eat and what to avoid. Um, And again, you know, what not to eliminate. That's not, again, we're not telling people not to do something. That's not where you want to go. But okay, if you can avoid things, these are the things that we would recommend avoiding. And these could be the replacements or or the good things. Um, The other aspect, step two, which I think is really important, is, you know, really creating a balance by, um, you know, getting back to the basins. So creating a balance by eating the appropriate amount of veggies, fruits, nuts, et cetera. People don't really know how much fruits and vegetables you need to eat or how much protein or how much grains. And Mm -hmm. do I need to eat meat every day? So really teaching people, you know, back to the basics, you know, how much fruits and vegetables do I need to do? Yeah. It's just really simple. Yeah. The third step, which, um, again, which is probably my favorite step, (laughs) (laughs) Um, just is um, just know your facts. You know, you have a unique body, and it requires a set amount of protein, water, and sugar. So know your numbers. How much protein are you supposed to have? Again, that's based on your weight. You know, what's my pee supposed to look like? What's my poop supposed to look like? So for me, that's that's really interesting. And we also give facts about sugar um, sugar and glycemic index. And the fourth step really is a guide to, you know, what are the right natural foods um, to eat? You know, if I'm going to eat some vegetables which are um, – which contain – which of the fruits and vegetables contain the most potent disease-fighting properties and why – um, and again, it's the educational piece. Mm-hmm. You know, you should really know what you're ingesting and how, how it can influence your body. Yeah. And I think that 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 is important. Um, and then the last one is, you know, make yourself whole. Really choose the right additions to your natural foods. So really talking about um, oils and spices and supplements and how important exercise, sleep, and stress reduction. 
you know, we've been really focusing on food here, which is really important, but that's only one aspect. That's right. You know, yep. you really have to have, um, you know, it's all about, it's not only about food, but it's also the, the physical aspects are very important, but also the mind and, and the spirit as right. well. Yeah. And I think that's why I've teamed up so well with um, Beth and the team is, you know, you can eat all the right things you want, but if your mind's not there, mm-hmm. you know, you can really hinder yourself. Yeah. And, and that to me was really important in my journey. So yes, I, you know, I, I ate well, I juiced, I did my smoothies, um, especially leading up while I was in treatment, but did very much, um, you know, a lot of meditation, a lot, a lot of focus, a lot of um, introspective um, reflection on on me. And How about yoga? Do you do yoga? I do a little bit of yoga. For me, you know, I got more satisfaction. Um, you know, it, for, everyone's different. But for right. me, it was a lot of um, uh, Reiki or, or cranial sacral. So actually, at oh, every... No. Can you just say what that is? Yeah. yeah. So at every chemotherapy, I had chemo for about a year. I actually had a, um, a Reiki instructor work on me at the hospital. And she was made available to me, actually, by the hospital. And it, it it's just very... Um, y- y- it's sort of the placement of the hands. On is it energy? Parts of, I mean, I know what Reiki work. is, but I don't yep. think a lot of people know. It's, so it's energy work, mm-hmm. um, and it also deals with the, the different um, chakras in your body, the different meridians in your body, mm-hmm. um, and really balances you out. But what I really like is it just makes you calm mm-hmm. um, and just makes you a bit more reflective. So especially with, you know, the high-paced world that we all live mm-hmm. in, that was a really nice uh, a treat to have as well as um, – you know, calming, calming one down. Yeah. And what was the second thing? The cranial sacral. So just like acupuncture, um, rather than having the needles, there's different pressure points in your body. So it's the, that your, the, 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 um, you would put your fingers on the different touch points in your body. Right. Okay. Um, and again, it's, I like that better than needles. (laughs) I do too. (laughs) It sounds a lot. I think that's probably why I do it. I still do it five years later. Yeah. Um, and it definitely brings balance to my life. Mm -hmm. Um, and really, allows me to to really think and focus and and do all these entrepreneurial ideas that I have. Yeah, right. You know, so you have children. We'll talk about your your two children. Still two, right? You didn't have a third that we didn't mention. Yeah, we're done. And so I'm assuming that you're implementing all of these, you know, this healthy lifestyle with your kids. What do you you feed them? What do you do with them that you find, you know, to be – you know, and again, you're starting at a young age. You're starting at the beginning, so chances are they're going to carry this through their life. But what are the, some of the things you do with them? Sure. Yeah, we actually have a pediatric guide that will be coming out. Oh, do you? Yeah. Oh, so excellent. we're very excited about that. But yeah. The kids. Uh, my oldest is seven, um, and my youngest is five. Um, and uh, you know, they've been living around the Viver guide now for a couple of years, but. You know, the most exciting thing is, you know, when they go to the bathroom, they call me and, Mom, oh, look at my pee. <laughs> I did really well today. I drank enough water. It's the right color. It's the right color. And my youngest, you know, she's like, Mom, I did really bad today. I had rabbit poop. I think I got to go to the – I need a piece of broccoli, Mom. Oh, my gosh. So this is hysterical. Yeah. And, you know, it's sort of embarrassing when, you know, you're going out in public with folks and, you know, you get called. <laughs> like, Mom. <laughs> My or they're discussing this with today. their friends. I'm sure oh. they're trying to educate their friends. They are. And, you know, I've had to tell my daughter just, you know, you need to <laughs> not really tell people what to do. But right, it, right. It actually causes sometimes an issue in her classroom because we I pack their lunches. 
So they have one fruit, one vegetable, and they have their protein. Yeah. And, um, you know, their friends are bringing in sugar and potato chips. And, you know, my oldest is like, well, why won't you just eat a carrot stick? You know, that's much healthier (laughs) for you. So the teachers are always calling me just laughing and admiring. But, you know, that's a – have you ever thought about going into the schools with this program? Yeah, I've actually been asked by um, my daughter's school to do it. So I'm actually going to be going in there in the the fall. That's a great idea. Yeah. You know, kids are very adaptable. I mean, my my kids eat – my oldest eats everything. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, You can put – you know, the most obscure vegetable or fruit and she'll eat it and she'll eat it with spices too. So, and again, it's her palate. Yeah. Um, you know, we've adapted. It's being trained. It's actually. been trained. Yeah. Um, you know, if we ask her, do you want a cookie or a piece of fruit? She'll go for a piece of fruit. And, um, you know, every night she always asks mom, you know, can I get another fruit? And it's just, it's really neat to see. And it's not yeah. like mom and apple, like mom, where's the peach or the plum? Or why didn't you get, you know, why are we just have bananas at home? Why can't you get something else? Yeah. yeah. It's really nice to see. And, you know, especially with looking at her, her friends, you know, she is a very athletic, very, you know, thin um, child. And when you look around with kids their age, that's not necessarily the case. Yeah. I mean, there's a lot of, ca- a lot of kids that we see that are quite obese. Yeah. Um, and not having that physical activity. Yeah. So it's actually a, um, I think that's why I'm very interested in doing the pediatric guide, the children's guide, because, you know, parents, again, getting back to the basics, really teaching parents, you know, very simple steps and not being afraid. You don't need to give them chicken fingers and which are great. I give my kids still chicken fingers, but you don't need yeah. to give them that every single day or hot dogs or fish sticks. Yeah. I mean, they, they actually enjoy food. The goods, right. If, right. If prepared properly. Yeah. Um, and also, you know, if it doesn't work the first time, you just keep trying. You know, I think it takes like five, my kids, it takes about 10 tries, especially my youngest. But then after the 10th try, it works. Yeah. Well, know? and the nice thing about this, the nice thing about Viver and your guide and these steps yeah. is that it's once you learn it, you know it. Yeah. So it's not something that you have to carry with you around. Um, you know, you learn it, you know it, and then it becomes habit, and you're going to see the results. Yep. And yeah. that's the point. You know, it's a way of life. It's not a diet. It's not a fad. This is evidence-based medicine. It works. Um, and... It's simple. And, again, that's why I think we're we're doing the app is just, again, that reinforcement of not only reading it but teaching you how to do it. Okay, this is is what's out there, but how do we go ahead and implement it? Yeah. Tell me what you think, you know, as far as the healthcare industry in general, um, and there's a lot of controversy over what's going on, you know, is there one change that you would like to see take place when you think about where we've come and where we've gone in the healthcare industry as a whole, is there one area that you think needs attention now? Yeah, prevention. Obesity, I think, is a huge issue, and I think it's leading to a lot of uh, sickness out there. I mean, I was diagnosed at, at 35 <laughs> with cancer, and, and that's not normal. Um, and again, I did not eat very well. I was very stressed out. You know, you were an overweight, though, were you? I was pretty much overweight ha- being pregnant. I think I was. I mean, I was almost well, 190 pounds, and I'm 5'2". Oh, you're tiny. Yeah. I'm tiny. Okay. Um, I think that was pretty high. <laughs> but sometimes, well, sometimes that can be a hormonal thing, isn't it, with mm-hmm. pregnancy? Yeah. Um, so 
Yeah, Are you I, convinced that it was you I, know, I didn't more have the eating. best BMI? Okay. I mean, yeah. especially being 5'2". I mean, I should have been in my 120s. I was definitely about 150 or so. Okay. And I'm comfortable talking about that. Um, but yeah, well, you should yeah. be. I mean, that's how, that's again, the way how it you is. came to be, right. how you came to, yep. you know, to found this company is, right. again, your own personal experience. And right. I think your obesity is a huge issue. It's a huge issue. And, you know, again, I, d- I just don't think people, you know, life is just very stressful. It's very busy. Um, and there isn't really good, affordable food out there. Yeah. So, you know, when we're going, you know, just even over the summer, we went to, we took the family to Disney World and we drove down there from New York, which was quite interesting. But, you know, stopping, you know, uh, to get food was challenging. Right. You know, because it's McDonald's or Burger King or, you know, it's true. The it, highways, it was, that's it, all there is. That's all there is. That's all there is. And, you know, I think I've gained weight over the summer just because I couldn't find good, healthy food. Yeah. And even, you know, in Disney World, we had, like, salads, but the salads were, like, iceberg lettuce and were dressed up. Like, you right. can't even imagine. No nutrition. No nutrition. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, people have to really realize that, you know, or as a society, we have to really demand more, you yeah. know, like. This is not satisfactory, and the epidemic's going to keep increasing, and that's a that's a big problem because obesity leads to diabetes. It leads to cancer. I mean, one of the gross, you know, cancer should be a, a disease of old age, and people yeah. my age, it's I know, stunning. You know, I, I it's know, absolutely We're, stunning. We all know someone yep. with cancer who it's, is young. Right. And one in two people will get cancer. You know, as a health economist, I do a lot of analysis of claims data. Um, And so I know the I know the demographics of those having cancer, where they're located, you know, what the BMI is. And the BMI with a typical person with cancer is over 28, which is really astounding. It's sad. Yeah. And, And that shouldn't be the case. Yeah. You know. And, and I do. Th- I often think it, it must come from an emotional place, right? Mm-hmm. If you're not taking care of yourself, to, you know, to the best of your ability, you're not doing that because of other issues, right? You know, it's really not about, um, you know, your DNA and where you came from. It's really about what you're choosing and you know what your choices are. And there's so much education today to mm-hmm. tell you, you know, what is good for you and what isn't. So I guess, you know, um, we probably should be focusing a lot, too, on, you know, kind of emotional well-being, uh, and that's eliminating the stress. Yeah. Um, that's a whole other topic, you know. Um, we, ha- we have about four minutes left. I want to, you know, give you an opportunity to just um, talk about really what, what is different about your program and what you would like to see people most get from it. And, uh, and of course, I'll give the website so that they go and check it out. Yeah. Um, you know, people can go to the website, like you mentioned, and get the guides. It's mm-hmm. FiverHealth.com. <clears throat> and the guides, again, you know, it's evidence-based medicine. It's very simple. It's easy, very simple steps to, to make really good health changes in your life. And I think you deserve it. I mean, everyone, um, you know, these are just it's all about health education and really empowering yourself because you can't really rely on other people. You have to take responsibility and take charge of your own health. You do. That That's a very yeah. important message. I think yeah. we all know people in our lives that aren't healthy. They're not too, and, and we want to change them and we want, want to fix them. But you can't. You can't. You can't. You never can. Right. And I, I, don't, I think I would have gone <clears throat> on the trajectory I was on unless I got sick. So to me that was very... You know, that was very life-changing, and I'm very thankful for that experience because I was able to slow down, to reflect, 
to observe and, um, you know, go a different course. And now, you know, staying the course and, and living a really good, healthy, um, you know, life and yeah. just really being positive whatever, with whatever is thrown at you. Yeah, well, so. that's that interesting piece that Beth talks about all the time because, you know, she meets these women and men with cancer. And, and she says, you know, it really, in the end, it ends up being a gift because it gives them this whole new perspective and this whole new way of looking at, at life and their priorities are where they should be. Oh, it's an Do amazing. you feel that way? Oh, it's an amazing gift. Yeah. I mean, I am so blessed I got cancer at 35 and not 70. Mm. And, um, you know, that's very hard for people to stomach. Right. I have been given the opportunity to make change and and to reflect on how, you know, how I was. And I wouldn't have been able to do that. And I wouldn't have seen what life has really to offer if I was if I got sick at 70. Yeah. But again, not anything that I would want someone to be to have. Right. That's not what we want. And again, if I could change it, you sort of would. You would. You (laughs) wasn't a good, you know two years being really sick is is not no 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 but you know you have to look at the positive and there's no other way moving forward especially when you have young children and a family that relies on you you have to you know really look at it in a positive way thank you so much for coming on the show today you should be very proud of the work you've done and um I, i i'm grateful that you came down and shared your story Thank you so much. much. That's it, everyone, for this week of Women to Watch. Thanks so much for tuning in, and we'll see you again next week.